Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 74. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation, as we get one day closer to Super Wild Card Weekend. The Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Buffalo Bills Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time on CBS. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great on this Wednesday. I uh, got some tape study in last night and... Uh, looking forward to covering this week's game against the Bills for sure. Me as well. It's a lot to talk about today from the Steelers standpoint. Mike Tomlin holding his press conference, some injury updates, some practice squad moves. Let's start, Dave, with the housekeeping. A couple of practice squad moves made by the team yesterday, including signing rookie outside linebacker David Perales to the practice squad releasing safety Nate Meters from the practice squad with safety group getting healthier, of course, with TJ Watt officially ruled out by Mike Tomlin for Sunday's game. Perales will add a bit of practice squad scout team type of depth. He was with the team in training camp and on and off the practice squad throughout the season. So familiar face here for this playoff push. Also team a bit surprising to me, at least releasing Trace McSorley, the quarterback from Penn State. Obviously, the quarterbacks, including Kenny Pickett, are healthy right now. But I thought McSorley might be a guy that would hang around, be a potential futures reserve contract option. Guess he still could be. Maybe the team told him we'll, uh, we'll be in touch with you in a week or so. Um, but he is now off the practice squad and in his place. Not official by the team, but reported they're signing offensive lineman Tyler Beach, a rookie from Wisconsin who's played guard and tackle. Maybe some just O-line depth here to get them through the week. So those are the practice squad moves made yesterday by the team. Yeah. The, uh, the outside linebacker would paralysis and, and releasing of the uh, safety there. Not overly surprising. You, you, what goes down, you're going to need an extra body there. Yeah. You you getting uh, what Casey and, 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 and Mika hopefully back uh, in or, or uh, definitely back uh, or, or K Fitzpatrick, continues to practice and then you get Casey back to practice. So you don't need the extra body there. So that all that makes sense. A little bit interesting on, uh, on bringing in another offensive lineman at, 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 at this point makes you kind of wonder maybe if somebody might be a little ding there, as we had mentioned, Isaac Sayamalo, mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy's fight through some stuff right now. So, uh, uh, maybe somebody else got a little dinged in that game against the Ravens and they need the extra body, uh, that way. So, uh, that was a little bit interesting to see uh, that particular practice squad move, but not obviously not so much with the outside linebacker and safety positions. Not that it's our focus right now, but do you think McSorley could come back if this team hypothetically were to lose the Bills and be on that reserve futures contract? Because with Rudolph a free agent, Trubisky status up in the air, I thought that would be a guy that you just would want to have as part of your offseason roster, somebody with some experience that had been in your system a little bit. A little surprised to see him get uh released 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to bring him back on a futures, right? Especially with the, I mean, we, everybody expected Mitch Trubisky to be out of the room uh, come the middle of March. And and obviously, Mason Rudolph's not under contract for 2024. Uh, you got, got to have somebody out there be able to throw stuff around come <laughs> uh, come come OTAs and all like that. So uh, it, 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 it wouldn't be surprising, you know, probably giving him a chance maybe to at least look around, I guess, at this time. But once again, this might all be related to what do they need right now as sure. far as as bodies go to get them through a week uh, uh, as far as the card, card, what they call the card team, you know, practice squad uh, team. So uh, he could just as easily, you know, if God, for, you know, if the season ends uh, on, on Sunday, he, he could indeed be a guy that uh, circles back on a futures deal. And I suppose Mitch Trubisky can be a good enough scout team, car team quarterback this week to try to simulate some of Josh Allen um, as best as he can. So we'll see on that. Those are obviously minor moves in the grand scheme of things, but still important for us to note. From an injury standpoint, a lot more important information here. As mentioned, Mike Tomlin during his Tuesday press conference officially ruling TJ Watt out of this game Sunday against Buffalo. No really other word about potentially him returning at some point. Of course, Pittsburgh has to be still playing for that to be a possibility, but TJ Watt will not play in this game. Optimistically, Mike Tomlin is on Minka Fitzpatrick. Hopefully uh, he'll come back. Uh, Tomlin saying Fitzpatrick will be limited early in the week, but sounds like Fitzpatrick has a good chance to play. Of course, he told reporters after the Ravens game he would play for any potential playoff game, which is now uh, upcoming. And then Alandon Roberts also Expected to be limited early in the week with his pec injury, but uh, he should play in this one. So really, you're just kind of watching for confirmation on Fitzpatrick. He did not mention Trenton Thompson. We'll see about his status, but as we've kind of talked about, it may be tough for him to get a hat regardless because with Casey coming back, Fitzpatrick coming back, we presume Eric Rowe will have some sort of role uh, for this team on Sunday. There may not really be room for Trenton Thompson to play. Yeah, if, he, if if you could uh, turn your head and look past the whole T.J. Watt situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than that, the car's running great. Yeah, uh, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you enjoy the play? But uh, you're getting, uh, obviously, it'd be great to see uh, Minka Fitzpatrick after all the games he's missed back in, uh, back on the field there. Uh, I don't know what you thought about the All-22 and all like that. Boy, uh, uh, Landon Roberts, that's a one that's a one arm linebacker right <laughs> right right now uh he's got I, I guess kind of that harness or whatnot right uh mm-hmm. on, on his left arm there and there were several instances uh, uh via end zone shots uh with him uh one of them was there was a loose football after the play was over and uh just you know making sure he follows through to uh you know, in case it wasn't after the whistle or whatnot, you could, he reaches down with just a one arm to try to pick that thing up. But, uh, he's definitely trying to play through this pec injury, uh, and, 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 and is limited, uh, by that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it will be nice to see Mika back on the field. And, uh, I, I wouldn't imagine, I think you're probably going to see the usual, probably, uh, progression of the injury report. You know, this week, guys mm-hmm. like a Landon Roberts on it, uh, Sayamalu, 
We'll see who gets some rest early in the week and all like that. Uh, but I think by the time this thing closes out, I mean, obviously TJ Watts ruled out, so he's going to be out uh, on the injury report. But I, I, I would, I would suspect that it would be pretty thin when it comes to game status designations when we get to Friday afternoon. I agree. I mean, you would expect to see Najee Harris on the report Wednesday with the knee. He's been battling Cam Hayward with the groin, probably make sure he's rested and ready to go. The play that stuck out to me with Roberts was one of the screens that they threw on the left side that Roberts did a great job to make a, an open field tackle on. But as he got up, it was a it was a struggle for him to get to his feet. So he's a warrior. I um, really appreciate what he's able to contribute. But yeah, they're going to probably you know, make him as, as as restful and rested as possible during practice. So he's as close to full health, even though he won't be close to full health for this game against the Bills. Right. Uh, let's see what else from Mike Tomlin's press conference. Um, I, I will, will. I think it's appropriate to put the stupid gate uh, phrase to this, I don't know, controversy or question, the depth chart situation, depth chart gate here. That Kenny Pickett is still ahead of Mason Rudolph on the team's latest depth chart. Mike Tomlin, for his final question, was asked about that, and he did not like to be asked about that, had a pretty – uh, terse answer will say, said, will it, will you feel better if you, if we, if we make that change? And so people asking why is Mason Rudolph still the listed number two quarterback? Although Mike Tomlin confirming, although we all knew it, that Mason Rudolph will start this game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I mean, I, I understand to some degree, cause look, I mean, we, we, we pull the depth chart down every week just to look at it and all. And we know to some degree not to read a lot, uh, into that thing. Uh, here's the thing though. Uh, it, it's, to me, it's easy to d- decipher what's going on here, especially at the quarterback position in, in so many words are trying to protect, you know, uh, this is a byproduct of Mike Tomlin's hands being forced into playing the hot hand of one Mason Rudolph, right? Uh, sure, but when you say trying to protect, you say they're trying to protect Kenny Pickett. Yeah, just trying to protect uh, the the the, the not not try to protect you know a narrative from people from running running with it, but in doing so. He's getting people to run with it. <laughs> Does that make sense? By not, we all know at this point right now that Mason Rudolph's the starting quarterback of this team, right? Right. So then why, if, if Mike Tomlin's making other changes on uh, the depth chart, uh, then why isn't he officially putting Mason Rudolph ahead of, uh, they, they switched uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky around, you know, M- sure. Mitch, Mitch is the number three. Uh, uh, now look, these things are teams release depth charts every week. They, they, they put these things in the, uh, uh, game release, uh, packages ahead of every game that, that are released every, every, you know, every week, uh, way ahead early in the week and all like that. If you're making the effort to move Mitch Trubisky to the number three spot, and if you're doing the other things, uh, on, on the depth chart, as far as, filling out the form per se, then what harm would it do to you to put Mason Rudolph ahead of Kenny Pickett being as that's technically the case right now? Sure. I'm I'm still when you say you're trying to protect Kenny just, Pickett, what just are you trying per- to protect him from? Probably his psyche and uh, you know, just uh protect him from the media and and the and the narratives. Not not so much him, but just kind of protect the whole overall picture past this season. 
Yeah, my interpretation of it, and listen, I mean, I'm trying to focus on Buffalo depth charts. They are what they are. We know that Rudolph's the starter, and we'll have the whole conversation about the future with a, a long off season, you know, at some point ahead. So, my thought is that this is kind of a, a little wink and a nod that Pickett is still viewed as the long-term future of the position. Okay, and, I'm I'm terming that protecting, and we're, we're talking okay. about the same thing. Here. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right? Yeah, uh, I I don't know if it's to protect his psyche necessarily. I don't know if it's really helping his psyche right now, but I think it's just trying to the organization acknowledging that Rudolph is the hot hand and he's just a here and now guy and that Pickett's still in their long-term plans. And that's based off Ian Rappaport before the Ravens game saying that this team still stands by Kenny Pickett, still has confidence in him. That's Mike Tomlin telling ESPN, the sideline reporter, Laura Rutledge, that Pickett is still their starter. So that's where I think it comes from. I don't know how much it why, helps why do you even why do you even need to do that though? I and mean, then you know why even make the change to Mitch Trubisky then? Uh, not there's a message being sent here. In, yes. in, uh, maybe I didn't phrase phrase it right there. There is a message being sent here, and it's to Kenny Pickett. And it's saying to me that they still view Pickett as the long term starter. Right. Okay. So I mean, that's uh, a, that's uh, I call, call call it whatever you want. Uh, Call it, phrase it, term it however you want to term it, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's all relegated to <laughs> sending a message to Kenny Pickett more than anything. Yeah, I think so. And 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 for the franchise to still have that thought and that feeling. And so, what does that mean for Rudolph in the off season? Do you we'll like see. them? Do you like them doing that or no? Or I mean, I, I know you don't want to spend too much time mm-hmm. on it, but I mean, obviously, it's become uh, a talking look. Sure. If 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 the if the depth chart would have came out and Mason Rudolph's on top and uh, Kenny Pickett's number two behind them, everybody's going to run down that path and say, "Oh, look, this is what uh, what uh, they're going to make a big deal out of." It's going to get made a big deal out of either way here, uh, and it is a byproduct of Mason Rudolph being the hot hand and and Mike Tomlin's hands being being you know held you know uh where he's got to go that direction right can i put my tinfoil hat on for a second here and join you here dave has mike tomlin ever called specifically mason off the starter he might have done it whenever they went to him for the Bengals game but since has he actually used the word start or starter when he's talked about mason rudolph yeah, that's a good point. He said we're just going to put the ball in his hands right. and or stay leave the with ball. the hot hands. Stay with his, Mason. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe he is being uh, very very careful uh, with with the words. I guess we'd have to go back through the transcripts and search for the word starter or whatnot. I mean, uh, I mean what did I he say when when Mason initially ahead of the Bengals game? What did he say? I'm just I'm, I know this is me. I'm now going down a rabbit hole. I, I told myself I would not do, but. I'm just curious because Tomlin, he's a smart guy. He understands right. the power of language and messaging, right. and these things are all intentional, and his presses are always to the players. They're never to us or, or the fan base. They're always messages sent to his to his players. So I'd like I, to know. I, I mean, you're talking a couple of games ago now, right? Yeah, I, I had, before I week had 16. A, right. Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and pull the transcript. Maybe you're doing that right now. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to be fine. One of our uh, recent articles, but 
it may take a second, but just a thought that I had because I he didn't use it. I know uh, yesterday he did not use the word actual start. He just said stick with Mason, stick with the hot hand, or put the ball in Mason's hand. That was um, you know, actually I think before the Bengals game he just said Mason Rudolph has got the ball, and we'll see on you know Kenny's situation was kind of the way that he framed it initially. Okay, well maybe he's purposefully being able to use his words so he can't get hung by the tongue later later you know yeah so anyway we'll see my only other question is is does the nfl not care about this even though the depth chart is objectively wrong there is no penalty i guess for for this oh man you want to talk about going down another rabbit (laughs) hole there uh i mean at least he's as long i I, I don't know the correct answer to that, but I mean, I, I think everybody knows who's going to be the start. Does a team actually have to designate a starter? You know, uh, isn't the, is the depth chart more for media consumption? Is that why it's even released once a week? Uh, uh, do other teams say, uh, is Sean McDermott sitting there saying, oh boy, I can't wait till Tuesday to the Steelers release their depth chart, you know? Sure. Uh, I, I doubt that's the case because obviously things can change. You know, somebody could get benched during the week or, or, or somebody have a better week of practice. And, and does that mean, well, you know, you guys had, uh, right. uh, uh, Chikoma Corfor listed as a start tackle. We call, we call foul here, you know, uh, uh, you didn't start, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think it's just more of a media courtesy function more than anything. And, and, and no, I, I don't think you could jumble that thing. However you want. I don't think you'd get in trouble with the league with it. Yeah. I know most depth charts are not fully accurate, but for something like starting quarterback that is declared openly, it was a little bit different, but side point here, Steelers making some roster moves. They have signed punter Brad wing to the practice squad. So that uh, may have taken the place of, of trace McSorley's spot. We're not entirely sure where somebody like Tyler beach fits in all of that. And not entirely sure why wing has been signed harvard has struggled and so is that a sign about a a change is harvard injured we're not quite sure is this just trying to get him on the team now to have a reserve future contract for after the season not entirely sure but brad wing has been signed to the practice squad yeah that's interesting but uh, i tell you what uh the way um boy this is interesting now because what do you if you need well, I mean, we'll have to wait to the injury report and see if uh, Harvin something shows up with Harvin on the injury report more, more than anything. Because you, if you, how, how are you going to work your elevations if you need to get wing up to the fifty-three, you know, or up to the uh, active inactive fifty-five this week? If you indeed have to uh, uh, elevate uh, Miles Jack and Eric Rowe, right? Sure. Could be potential IR situation. It could be somebody getting released, obviously. And we're not even entirely sure what's going on with Harvin right now. Now, Wing briefly appeared in Pittsburgh earlier this year. So there's some, and of course, he punted many moons ago for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, right. before getting traded to the Giants. So not new to the team, but the question is why now with the punter? Any punter, but we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch this. Uh, I mean, this is a bit surprised. Well, I mean, for one, what does that do with that with the offensive lineman uh, uh, that they signed? Could that be more of a futures deal now? Maybe, although I don't know. They're not doing futures deals because in theory, their season could go on for another month. You know, so I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe there's more more practice squad moves coming. 
Well, they, they haven't officially announced it yet, and it could be uh, agreed to terms and not yet signed a not 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 yet signed a future deal yet. You know. Yeah, that's possible. So we'll wait and see. We'll see if Harvin's name comes up on the injury report, not mentioned by Tomlin on Tuesday. So you think if he was dealing something, unless it just literally happened at some freak accident, that uh, that would have been mentioned by Mike Tomlin. But also Harvin has struggled. And is this would they change punters for the playoff game? Though? Sure, sure. I, I I wouldn't put it past them. But you're also changing holders. Mm, that's true too. But, but uh, I mean, look. I mean, our, uh you got to have better punting. You do. No, you do. I mean, that is critical. So we'll see. Um, but that's the news. Brad Wing is now on the practice squad. All right. Back to Mike Tomlin's press conference. Step chart gate aside. What else did Mike Tomlin have to say that caught your attention? Uh, let's see. What else? Well, that is kind of interesting about Brad Wing there. I didn't expect to have to cover have to cover that this morning. Uh, let's see. What else did Mike Tomlin have to say that stuck out? Uh, oh, talk about the, uh, the play that Iguabuque made and saying, hey, look, we would be mad if he didn't make that play. And you guys need to stop treating this like a stupid pet trick. Uh, <laughs> did did do you are you old enough to remember what stu- stupid uh, or stupid human trick he said? Not stupid uh, pet trick, but I, I that's kind of a play off of uh, the stupid pet trick thing that uh, David Letterman uh, show used to have years ago. I, I imagine that was before your time, right? Yeah, I mean, I watched a little Letterman growing up, but not enough to know that reference. Okay, uh, I'm trying to think what else here, Mike Tom. Tomlin had to say he had a kind of a subtle shot there at Gunnar Olszewski when talking about <laughs> uh, the uh, Igua Buque thing there. Uh, oh, about Najee. Uh, I thought some of the things he said about Najee were interesting. You know, he's a big back. We value big backs here. Uh, the attrition component of the season, the weather components just uh, teed up for guys like that. We're talking about the strong performances that he's had the last couple of weeks. Uh, talked about the big uh, deep ball capabilities of Mason Rudolph. A lot of praise for Stefan Diggs and de- deservedly so about him being an elite route runner. Uh, I thought it was interesting to hear uh, him go back and talk to talk about uh, how uh, Keenan McCardle and all like that, working with Keenan McCardle at Maryland a few years ago. Trying to see what else here. Well, I think the thing about how, how to replace TJ Watt, you know, typically mm-hmm. it's next man up in Pittsburgh, but to replace TJ Watt, it's next men up. And Tomlin saying it's going to be more than one guy. Of course, there's Nick Herbig, Marcus Golden, even mentioned Kyron Johnson, but it's going to be about the D line. It's going to be about the secondary. It's a full team effort to replace, as Tomlin said, a one of a kind TJ Watt. Yeah, look, that's not surprising. We talked about how that's likely to go down here moving forward uh, uh, with the rotation with those three, with Highsmith, Marcus Golden, and, uh, and, 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 and Nick Herbig. And look, these guys know, uh, you know, and everybody has said, you, you just don't replace him. You just try 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 your best to uh, have a combination that get, get you somewhere in the, within seven foot putting range, you know, (laughs) uh, cause you're not going to get a gimme with, 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 with all that. And, uh, I think we've got a pretty good grasp of how we expect that to play out against the bills. And, um, look, somebody's going to, one of those guys is going to have to make a play or two in this game. 
Sure. And I think the D-line is going to have to get more in, interior pressure and collapse the pocket and help flush a guy like Josh Allen into you know the arms of Herbig or Golden or Highsmith. They're going to have to probably send some more, again, creative blitzes and four-man pressures, nickel pressures, off-ball linebacker pressures, some new wrinkle probably added, maybe stunt a little bit more and try to create some schematic wins as opposed to just kind of one-on-one individual wins. The secondary is going to have to probably plaster in be able to cover just a tick longer overall and make some plays uh, on their end as well. Because I, I pulled the numbers and I I'm, I'm, don't have them actually in front of me, so I should probably stall for a second. But the goal for Josh Allen is to get him to turn the ball over at least twice in this game. His record, whenever he turns the ball over zero times or once this season, is very strong. Whenever he turns it over at least twice, he's one in three mm. on the season. So it's an obvious point, make him right. turn the ball over, create splash plays. But Specifically, two is the magic number to try to shoot for. Yeah, and and you don't you can't turn it over on your own end. So I mean, you, it does feel like this has to be a plus two tot situation here because they the, the 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 Bills could obviously make it back up in the explosive play category uh, if they if if Josh Allen does turn the football over twice. So yeah, I mean, uh, a, a, absolutely. And here's the thing: is he's a tough guy to get down on the ground because he's such a big body. Uh, the Steelers have played a lot more zone uh, defense as of yet, and you, you even though you know you're not talking about I thought it was interesting Mike Tomlin kind of compare and contrast uh the, the the mobility factor of of Josh Allen uh during the press conference he, he he's he he's not that uber uh uh twitchy athlete type type of guy but he still gets it done effectively because he's such a big guy right and uh, you get a guy like that that's able to run with the football. And, and long story short, you know, you, you're probably not going to want to play a lot of man coverage in this uh, game against the Bills uh, because you're going to want to keep eyes on him. And you better do a better job with contain overall uh, when it comes to 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 not lay, letting him around the end. Now, I'm less concerned about Josh Allen taking off around the end than I would be up the middle. But uh, uh uh, because you know, once again, it's not like he's 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 all that quick and twitchy. Uh, he he has shown that he can run around the end. But I mean, you go back to this last game against the Dolphins just the other day. Uh, he had what 68, 65 something yards rushing or uh, running in that game, uh, and a couple of those yards got taken away from him because of kneel downs at the end. Uh, he outrushed their running backs in this game, I think. Uh, in totality. Uh, and, and, and what, one of those was like a third down play, right. Where he, uh, had the extra effort and got mm-hmm. the first down in that situation. That's, that's where that guy can, can, can crush you because you get him in a third down and long situation, he'll move the chains with his legs. So, um, uh, back, back to the outside linebackers though. I mean, at, 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 you got to get Josh Allen in those third and long situations, get him hopefully holding the football because that's probably going to be your best case to, 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 to get a sack and potentially a sack fumble. I think the issue whenever he gets out on the edge is, is a little less about him running, although it's definitely a threat, but making those off platform out of structure plays, you know, from rolling out to his right and buying time and finding somebody breaking across when the defense has to cover and plaster for five plus seconds, which is so tough to do. So rush lane integrity, it's always a tough line to walk between wanting and really needing to get pressure, but also rushing smart and keeping him 
trying to play within the pocket as much as humanly possible. And those things could be tough to do. But to pull the stat on Josh Allen this season, he is 3-0 and when he does not turn the ball over at all. He is 7-3 and with just one turnover and 1-3 and with two or more turnovers. The lone win being against Miami on Sunday night when he had two picks and a fumble. So those are the numbers on Josh Allen. Again, fairly obvious, but I think two is the magic number for Pittsburgh's defense to hit. Yeah, uh, hard, hard to argue with that. Anything else from Mike Tomlin? That kind of was the bulk of the press conference, but anything else that he might have said that caught your attention? No, I think I think we got the bulk of it there. It'd be interesting to see uh, what the injury report says later on today. And they are practicing, what, at Akershire Stadium today? Uh, I guess something related. I guess a lot of rain in the air and all like that. And probably just want to get in, 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 in stadium ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a monsoon. I think their practice squad, which probably doesn't have the, the drainage capability that I assume Aquashire has. And so that's probably pretty waterlogged. And so they're going to go to Aquashire to practice on Wednesday. Dave, let's go to the all 22 of this Baltimore Ravens game to put a bow on that, starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. When you go back and rewatch the tape, what stuck out to you? Uh, with the Steelers offense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, offense. Yeah. Uh, uh, they look, they ran, and we mentioned this the other day. They ran a uh, lot of split zone stuff, and I think you did a good job of taking that even further uh, with uh, with the video that you have on the site and on YouTube uh, this morning. Uh, a couple of the extra wrinkles that they had put in there, because uh, we have seen this team kind of ru- run. Uh, during the second half of the season, I think specifically uh, a lot of that Zorro toss and for them to kind kind of what they're and, and not kind of what they did is to kind of build or they did build off of some things that they put down on tape to add different wrinkles to get eyes going in a different uh, direction there. So uh, and I think you did a good job of laying that out, especially uh, specifically some I- uh, instances with Connor Hayward with him circling back and then turning turning what looks in to, to potentially be a Zorro toss into a split zone run. Uh, that's something else now for offenses or, or for opposing defensive coordinators uh, to have to look for going forward here. So I thought that stuck out uh, on top of the fact that they just ran a lot of split zone. They had mm-hmm. a lot of, they had a lot of success with that overall. I thought uh, uh, I thought, Connor Hayward and I, I think I mentioned this the other day. Connor Hayward played a fantastic game yeah. uh, 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 overall in this game here, and uh, that was obviously good to see. He woke up and chose violence. I think uh, <laughs> on 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 you know ahead of game day there against uh, the the uh, the Ravens. Uh, Let's see what else stuck out. I, I thought the, the the run blocking was good. I thought Broderick Jones did some good stuff climbing to the second level. I thought Isaac Sayamalo was good. Uh, the passing game was really controlled, as we pointed out the other day. They did a good job of kind of uh, uh, utilizing the shorter stuff. And uh, when they needed a big play, uh, obviously the first play of the of the, of the fourth quarter there uh, on on that slant to Deontay Johnson, he drilled that right down the middle. And I mean, lo- long story short, that 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 ended up being uh, a, when it goes to offense side of the football, obviously the uh, t- turning point of the game. Yeah, I thought to your point, the layers in the in the split zone game, and you're right, they ran a lot of traditional split zone, which was as you said, very effective, but some layers and kind of constraints off of that, almost this counter split zone where you have Hayward faking one way and then doubling back the other or 
sending Pat Frymuth out in the flat as to kind of give a pass key to the edge guy to pull him away to allow Hayward to go up through the hole without ever having to block that end man on the line of scrimmage. Just some kind of cool wrinkles to the run game overall. But I just, my overall takeaway, Dave, and it's one that I've had from the last couple of weeks, just the effort and strain and finish these guys show, just the offensive line, the tight ends. I think the tight ends especially, Dave, but really just taking the heart. Maybe some of the comments Merrill Hodge made or just some of their poor tape. All these guys, Frymuth, Washington, Hayward, really finishing their blocks much, you know, much better in the run game overall. Um, and Washington really looks like the guy he was supposed to be when they drafted him, just mm-hmm. the dominant. You posted some clips today of him just moving people and sticking to people and and driving and, and really displacing them, not just, you know, stalemating the block, but moving these guys out of their gap and widening the hole. And to me, that's been really impressive. I think he's doing a lot better job uh, with that first step of his uh, uh, mm-hmm. Washington and, and getting himself in a better position uh, uh, with some of these blocks. Now, some of these other ones out in space, he's doing a good job and uh, of, 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 just finishing them, you know, keeping square, uh, not not letting the defender. Now, look, you're not going to find many guys on on a football field that match up with him size wise. But uh, when he, the, the I think the thing that he's kind of struggled with is uh, footwork and positioning when it comes to some of these blocks against you know guys that match up. Uh, uh, you know, well with him from a size component. He should obviously be expected to railroad a, a cornerback or a safety when he gets to the second level. And he's doing that now more than ever. You're seeing that stick out on, on, on tape as well. Was that uh, on that one Barry he had, was that defensive back injured on that play? Did he grab for the knee on that or something? Did, did, uh, I didn't want to mock the guy too hard for getting buried because he might have went down with, with an injury uh, uh, on that play there. But, I mean, long story short, I, I think uh, uh, Darnell Washington uh, has done well in uh, with the blocking component of his game, especially in, in I don't know, what, the last three, four weeks mm-hmm. overall uh, kind of stuck out. I think uh, Connor Hayward, for what they look, you're not going to line Connor Hayward up It'd be foolish to line him up uh, at, at on the end of the line of scrimmages as an end tight end and ask him to block a base uh, 4-3 end. Right, and he's going to lose. Sure. You're, you're setting sure. him up to fail. We've talked about that a couple of times uh, this season. But I think I, I believe if you go back in this uh, podcast archives from, from earlier this season, I, I had mentioned that when it comes to stuff like split zone uh, and, and things with Connor Hayward on the move, uh, there was been a noticeable difference in, in, in his effectiveness in that. Uh, and uh, mostly up until these last couple of weeks, you've seen that more in the cut category. And he had one of these in this game as well, too, coming across to cut, uh, cut the legs out. He was effective on that. But I, more importantly, I think what you're seeing where he's increased or, or, or making more progress in is when he's coming across and not cutting uh, the legs mm-hmm. out of uh, defenders on some of those split zones, uh, specifically that uh, that one that ended up, uh, Najee ended up, I think, taking it the other uh, to the right side on that play. And even though Connor Hayward did kind of bounce off of the defender there, it was, it, it pushed the defender back uh, some in that situation there. And then he's going downfield and continuing on trying to, trying to pick a fight with a safety, I think, or a cornerback on down the field there. So, uh, uh, and then, you know, I think 
look, Pat Firemuth's Pat Firemuth when it comes to what you what you can expect out of him on the end of the line of scrimmage. But they are, as you pointed out, utilizing him where, okay, you don't necessarily have to have him block to get the same impact of moving a defender out of out uh, out 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 in space, right? And uh, I think you see that Rodney Williams has had put some uh, good stuff on tape as far as blocking effort goes. So yeah, I think I think the main takeaway as you get into this uh, playoff game here is that the tight end position as a whole, uh, when it comes to blocking, has has you know really really uh, increased effort and production. And it's a big reason why this team is running the ball as well as they have two quick stats for you guys. I know PFF gets a lot of hate and understandably so for their consistent snubbing of TJ Watt. But do you know over the last three weeks, week 16 to week 18 by PFF's metrics, the best run blocking tight end in football? Do you know who that is? You got to tell me, I guess it's Pat Farmuth. Connor Hayward. Oh, okay. All right. So, which, which again, you know, as you said, I thought you're trying. Not, I thought you're trying to aha me there. No, but I think it's really interesting. And, and now, as you said, it's not like he's doing the inline blocking the way that Darnell right. Washington is. It's, it's more that split zone stuff. But it was Hayward by I think a pretty healthy margin too. So just you know, for whatever that's worth, I think that's a really interesting thing. But the effort, the strain shown by them is is impressive. Look. Look for a guy. What is he? Six foot, five eleven. <laughs> yeah, he's like he, he probably he's got the dating profile of six foot. That means he's like he's like five ten and a half. I think. I mean, for for this for for uh for a guy his size and what you're asking him to do, uh, he is he he has progressed from mm-hmm. from day one his rookie season to where he is now. And and like I said, if you go back in the archives, I've said, well, you know what? He's doing a good job of coming across and cutting. Uh, uh, and, and giving, it's never been an effort thing with him, uh, from, from, from day one, it's, it's what it's, it's the effectiveness of what they're asking him to do. And for a while, specifically his rookie season on these split zones, you'd see him come, come across and where his most effective action would be, would be where he would cut down the legs. Uh, now you're seeing more than that. Uh, uh, with him uh, 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 on the move. And, you know, you could probably even pick out a few other things when not uh, facing a base, a base four, three in of, of him, you know, basically coming out of a stance and being effective in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I thought you were trying to, trying to aha me because I, I haven't sorted that stuff when it comes to the tight end and PFF there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, l- looking back and what I've seen on the tape for for uh, specifically probably these last four or five games, it 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 adds up what he's given you as a blocker, specifically in uh, split zone and anything that you'd ask Connor Hayward to block out in space with. And then the other stat out of thirteen personnel, so those three tight end sets, which is often Washington, Frymuth, and Hayward, the last two games, so against Seattle and Baltimore, Pittsburgh is averaging. 7.2 yards per carry out of 13 personnel with a run success rate of nearly 75%. And you compare that to the first you know, weeks one through 16, they were at about 4.2 yards per carry, about 50% run success rate. Not bad, but these last two games in particular, that 13 personnel grouping has been incredibly effective. Effective. Remember early in the season, they were really bad running heavy. You know, it would, it would stack the box. It would lose these blocks one V one. And it was actually, a detriment to to go heavy and kind of pack things in tight. Now it's become an asset for them. And that's, I think a large part due to the tight ends really becoming an asset 
as run blockers. And if you roll back to the beginning of the year, what and and coming out of the bully ball narratives and all like that, what were some of the things where you're saying, boy, I hope I, you could probably find it on my Twitter feed somewhere about, man, I, I sure hope to see a lot of 12 and 13 personnel uh, uh, out of this group. So uh, we got to that point now and, and make no mistake about it when they, and I, I think you were good to point this out the other day uh, when, when facing a, a team specifically like Buffalo uh, because they don't, or they try to stay away from doing a lot of substitutions uh, 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 because yeah, of the they're, they're nickel nickel team. Right. Uh, it, it might be smart to, to, to try to beat them with the bigger bodies. Yeah. And just see how they respond and see if they bring in big people and can they stop the run out of 12 and 13 personnel? We'll have to see, but it's been a, a real positive thing for Pittsburgh because early in the season we said don't run out of 13 like don't run out of 12 go 11 and spread things out and, and try to create some lighter boxes and that's how Pittsburgh was having more success and now I think they can run the ball from kind of any you know front and in, in personnel grouping but uh the tight ends and the o-line I thought as you mentioned say Malu might have been his best game of the season and to do that on one good shoulder right now and, and just the finish and the strain and pass protection the anchor that he showed that the interior line did a nice job of giving a, a room for Rudolph to step up. There was some pressure, but it all came from the edges. It all came from the tackle struggling. The interior guys, by and large, did a nice job of keeping the depth of the pocket for Mason Rudolph. Hey, here's another thing, and and you just got me thinking about this one, talking about Connor Hayward. Uh, they have made a concerted effort the last couple of weeks to kind of uh, get him to kind of chip and release, and then on the rollouts and, and get the ball. I mean, it's only like a three-yard toss, right? But uh, uh, they're making kind of a concerted effort to get 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 the football in his hands. Uh, you know, you can you could probably have a little bit of fun with that now, right? Uh, especially with as much split zone action as they've done with him. Why not now? Uh, and this would be a great build off of the thing that you pointed out that, that you pointed out on film. Now you would obviously need, need the time to, 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 to kind of set this up. Uh, you could circle him back. Like he's going to, uh, uh, be part of a split zone block on, 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 you know, on back end over there. Mm -hmm. And then instead of giving that block, just bypass on by and then get the ball out to him in space that way. Sure. They ran a bunch of nakeds in this game. He were caught the one, I think for a third down conversion. Hey, Harris had one uh, around the goal line. I think got to the five yard line, moved the sticks. And so there were some, they weren't big plays, but they were still important plays, weighted down type situations. So there were some good constraint plays and nakeds to run off that kind of split. So play action type look. And did we have the uh, email or the other day say somebody maybe off the radar you know, who, who could maybe be a uh, uh, kind of an X factor, a, a lower rated X factor, you know, thinking back on that question now and looking, diving deeper back into the tape last night on both sides of the football there. Uh, maybe you can find, find something to uh, a surprise or two to do with Connor Hayward. Yeah. And again, I think it's less about him having volume, but situationally, that big key third down, you might right. pick up late in the game or, you know, to get in the field goal range or something like that, where you have a specific play designed for that moment that may be more the key than, you know, Austin or Hayward going off and having a big performance, but it may just be that one moment where somebody comes up large. Right. I mean, look at, you know, an explosive, an extra explosive player or two in this game against Buffalo, depending on how the weather goes and the game flow. If it's a low scoring game, yada, yada, could make a difference in this game. Uh, remember, they have handed the ball off to him 
coming across in 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 situations as well too. What a Cleveland in the Raiders game last year, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was a, to close out. I think both those games. I want to say, and they tried that dive against the Raiders this year. It didn't work, but that was a, a dive as opposed to a jet kind of play. So yeah, th- that's a great point. Maybe they had something like that. It's just kind of that one their version of kind of a trick play, which isn't really a trick play, but just a different wrinkle. I, I think they're going to do something new in this game or something mm-hmm. that we haven't seen that often, maybe not a full-fledged trick play, but some some layer, some add-on, and some sort of kind of big got-to-have-it type moment. Can you do something maybe related with him in a wheel or something like that? You know? <laughs> you got to find that wheel route in there somehow. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's all wide open right now. Uh, if, 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 if they do that and it ends up an explosive play and a – touchdown or whatnot, you know, that might be something that you want to do in that uh, 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 other side of uh, uh, on the bill side of the 50 yard line. I don't know, 35, 38 yard line and maybe have a, a, a potential, maybe him busting one, you know, I think just off the top down the scene, like he's always mm-hmm. been a really good receiver down the, the Falcons game, State, the Falcons game, even some preseason type stuff. You know, we haven't seen that. So if you get a too high type look on some of those beat up backup inside linebackers, Buffalo may have in this game. Could be an option, but we're all just spitballing right now. We'll see. I think they're going to do some some wrinkle to this, what it is. I'm not quite sure. Hey, here's the biggest takeaway, and I think this circles back to the video that you did. We're seeing them build off of stuff yes. offensively. And that is so critical. So that's and in a game that the conditions weren't right for for doing a lot of stuff, maybe, maybe down the field uh, there. So uh, – we are actually seeing wrinkles off of things that they do well. And that should be a big takeaway coming out of this game uh, uh, against Baltimore. And it's a good time to start seeing some, <laughs> of the, some of these wrinkles too, because they, they, they might need a few of those things uh, here against the, uh, uh, against the bills on Sunday there. Uh, did you get a chance to go back and look at the uh, Deontay Johnson uh, deep ball? You know what? I, Oh, the the incompletion or the false right. start—the one the reader had talked about. Uh, both, but oh, I'm I, talk, I, I was talking about the deep ball down the left side. I did, yeah. That one looked close. I don't know why Deontay did not make more of an effort on that play. So that's just not me. the The ball looks like it's in not a bad spot to go get, right? Yeah, I look from the end zone view to try to see if the angle if it was kind of a, a an optical illusion, but that ball is within a yard inside of Deontay's. So. It was close. I'm not sure what happened. Now was uh, now look. I'm not once again. I, I'm, I'm I'm not hate, hating on Deontay here. I just it 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 looks. A, did he lose it? You know, in in the weather was the ball not where he thought it might uh, mm-hmm. or intended to be? Was it maybe supposed to be more of a a fade? Did he just get caught up? Did you know, I I don't know. But it it even on the TV tape live on that first thing through it, it kind of looked peculiar and then uh, i didn't have time to go pull the full uh in most you know the 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 full reap or the full live shot video of it during the game and all like that but i did post a still shot of where the ball actually landed not that that's the 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 best way to do analysis on that thing but i had i wanted to get something up to kind of more than anything remind myself uh to uh, to go back and look at that but uh looking at it on the all 22 uh Put it to you this way. I, I, I don't know. If, I think Deont- today might be the day that Deontay meets the media. I would just kind of throw out a question. What happened on that early deep ball uh, to you? Did you lose the football or or, or what happened on that play? Because it, it did look like it was a lot closer mm-hmm. uh, that, that could potentially 
I mean, you're talking about early in the game. Mike Tomlin says, well, it makes more difference what you do later in the game. But all those things, in my my opinion, add up overall. But I was just curious about that. What about the uh, potential fault start on 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 the touchdown that the uh, listener pointed out? Yeah, honestly, I forgot to go back and check that component okay. of it. So did you go back and? and I mean, it? it's just a say I, I didn't come away with any any more. Than, than what I had said the other day. It just looked like a little slight kind of lean forward there. And I, you know, you'd have to go around the league and see how many times something even remotely close to that was called. I, I didn't find it egregious enough to be called. Just want to be careful because the head ref this week is Carl Cheffers, who called the uh, false start or the offsides, I should say, on Kadarius Tony, which was, to be clear, the right call. I don't know why there was such a debate about it. It was cl- clearly the right call. That's all that matters. But anything like that, you want to be careful to wide receiver alignment, movement related type matters. Okay, good point. Uh, one last note here for the offense, Broderick Jones, as you said, strong run blocker, the pass pro though, Davis really, I think been a struggle for him. I, I don't know if there's times where he's expecting help inside, but he's getting beat to the inside quite a bit. His punches are poor. He's not using his independent hands. Well, he's kind of punching with just one hand. I think he's oversetting unless again, he's expecting some inside help based on uh, the center slide. I'm not entirely sure, but even that losing the edge, dropping his eyes. I mean, he, I think he's really been rough in pass protection. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, and going to be interesting to see, you know, is this related to him and the side he's playing on or, or, or what have you? But uh, uh, at least the run blocking aspect of the component of his game has been there. Defensively, what stuck out to you on tape when you go through the all 22 of the Steelers Ravens game? Eric Rowe really stuck out <laughs> on tape. Same. I, I was going to go there. Some of those cover three downhill, like just his closing speed, his hit power, kind of working from his hook zone. That dude packs a punch. Uh, and 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 you hit on it uh, specifically working downhill. Uh, he can still move, man. Uh, uh, point A to point B uh, downhill. I think he he reads things really well. I think his tackling really stuck out uh, in this game uh, overall as well too. Uh, but that's something from from going from TV tape to all twenty two uh, that that really jumped off the tape to me was uh, the play of Eric Rowe moving downhill uh, overall. I pointed out the uh, uh, you really get a good sense of how much that left arm is bothering uh, uh, Landon Roberts uh, in this game. I thought Mark Robinson had a nice game uh, for the amount of snaps that they asked him uh, to play in this one. I thought Cameron Hayward uh, was kind of impactful in the middle of the line uh, in this game that stuck out that, that, really didn't uh pop off the uh off the tv tape uh trying to think what else here popped out to me obviously a lot of a lot of zone in this one that that was kind of be to be expected on the touchdown to uh uh likely uh you basically have a four vert situation against a a, a cover three uh levi wallace a i think he kind of went for the interception on that at around the 10 yard line there. If, if you, if you're going to go after that, you, you better get the pick or you better make enough impact with the defender that you knock him down. So not only did he miss the pick and miss the tackle at the 10, then Patrick, uh, Patrick Peterson follows it up with a miss too. So uh, it, you know, you're going to get, you're going to have 
situations where a team makes a play on you uh, and, and has the right call against the right defense, which which was uh, the case with that. OK, let him complete it. But he should have been down at the eight. They should have got him down at the mm-hmm. eight, eight, eight or seven yard line and at least leave leave the blades of grass to defend because you never know what can happen because this team has has shown that they they've taken the football away uh not only in the red zone but in a low red zone on top of that so at least you live to fight another down uh in 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 that situation there uh that that's what stuck out to me uh uh top of my head Uh, tj watt just really really good before going down uh obviously that's not a surprise there uh alex highsmith held held quite a bit uh i mean legitimate holds in 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 this one that's another thing that stuck out and how many touchdowns has, has this defense allowed the tight end since really the cardinals game it's been a, a, a uncomfortable number and you look at what the bills have i think their tight ends have 11 tight ends or 11 touchdowns receiving this year and dalton kincaid has been a real big target for them david the only Rookie tight ends in NFL history who have more receptions than Kincaid 73 this season are Keith Jackson, Jeremy Shockey, and Sam Laporta this wow. year, the rookie from Detroit. So the you know, fourth most receptions by a rookie tight end in NFL history. So Buffalo knows who to who to who to attack where Pittsburgh's weakness is. Now Minka Fitzpatrick comes back and I think he's going to be on Kincaid a lot and a lot of third down, gotta have it weighty type moments. And so that's going to be much needed for sure, but we're gonna we're gonna probably see Buffalo go after those tight ends quite a bit in this game. You know something else. Uh, now, come to think of it, uh, looking at my notes here when 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 talking about defense uh, that that I didn't notice on the initial, uh, I guess TV viewing is uh, the usage of Killebrew in this game, and I thought he actually for what they were asking him to do, I thought I thought Killebrew did a good job. That tackle he had on Huntley on that final drive to keep Huntley in bounds and really kill a bunch of clock there was, I thought, really critical. Yeah, I think he's done a nice job. I do think Casey's going to get that the work over him in this sure. game, but I think Killebrew has been rock solid. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you don't, you don't, that that's not not ideal having to have him play a lot of snaps, and I didn't realize how many he had actually played until really you know, seeing the snap count then then actually having him stick out on 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 the all 22 end of it but i thought for what they they asked him uh to do in this game hell he played 25 damn snaps in this game uh on the defensive side of football and i i, I think you're right there i think that's something that you can do uh you can now alleviate those snaps with with, with potentially a guy like casey now but uh but uh for what they asked him to do he stuck out on tape in a positive way i thought I think Larry Ogunjobi has put on better tape in recent weeks. Pass rush, run game, probably a bit more than pass rush, but I think he's been better overall than kind of that real ugly lull he had midseason. Um, and then, yeah, to go back to row, even earlier before that forced fumble, he tried to punch the ball out, mm. attack in a pile, some, I don't know, a little bit before that actual uh, forced fumble. And so just the extra effort, the details, the ball searching. I mean, I think I think Pittsburgh's a really sh- a strong downhill defense. I do think out in space and team speed are concerns in this one. So, um, do we do we know if Gabe Davis is going to play? He's got the PCL sprain. I think he's still up in the air right yeah, now. Yeah, I, and I think McDermott's going to do a good job of keeping that under the rug. I mean, we'll just have to probably watch the uh, injury report and see how much. Uh, 
you know, probably going to be, I would think, limited all week. And then they'll, mm-hmm. prob- they'll probably end the week with him listed as as questionable there. But uh, I wouldn't think that he's going to be 100%. And, it, it, and let, let's assume he does dress uh, and, 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 and play and is not 100%. Uh, that's that's a big factor, especially the way this the way he killed him in that game uh, uh, last time these two teams met. So uh, that that could play into this game, even if he suits up, I guess. But I, I don't think we're I don't get a sense that we're going to get a good sense of where he is. We'll see what I think McDermott probably talks today, and obviously today's the first day of the injury report and all. So we'll just have to watch that. Sure, but the Buffalo Bills speed will be something to watch and how much of a factor, if any, Davis will be is going to be, as you said, something to, to monitor. Any final thoughts here, Dave, from the All-22? Yeah, you talk about Ogan Joby. This would be a great, uh, a, a good a good game for Ogan Joby to really come alive as a pass rusher. Yeah, I know we talk about, and rightfully so, her big golden Highsmith happened to step up to replace TJ Watt, and they do. There's no question about that, but the D-line has to get some more pressure. I think Benton's got to convert some of these pressures to sacks, and Hayward's got to be able to collapse the pocket and help flush Allen out to make life a little bit easier without TJ Watt. It would be a great help help equalize things if you could get more in the pass rush game uh, uh, from your interior guys in this one. And specifically, if you're getting into uh, mandatory, you know, more than likely second along, third along type uh, drop back situations for sure. Uh, if if we end up talking about uh, on, on, on Monday, a, a Steelers win over the bills. I won't be surprised. If we're talking about, uh, man, do you believe the interior pass rush that the Steelers had in this game? Yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you, Dave. All right. Any other final thoughts, anything else that we're missing that we didn't cover that we should address here before we start closing out today's show? Uh, Watts had a night, uh, Armand Watts had a nice snap or two, uh, in this game. He's giving you something, uh, here and there in, 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 in the few snaps that he's being asked, uh, to give you on defense. So I thought, you know, th- th- there was a little bit of that. Uh, uh, look, you can't, you can't give up the big play in this one. You got to make sure you guard. It's going to be hard enough with, uh, the, the way that Bill's running game, uh, is, I mean, it's almost a pick your poison kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, you, you cannot let the bills run on you first and foremost, especially if it's a snowy uh, weather kind of kind of game. So that that's obviously your first takeaway there. Second to me is if you're going to let the if you're going to let the tight ends of theirs eat, you better not let them eat large amounts at one time, you know. And have some of those blades of grass to defend. Right as well so I, I think yeah those weighty moments you can't have the tight end making that big play on third down that just breaks your back right i mean you can't you got to limit the explosive plays i mean Diggs is already going to be enough of a challenge to kind of control uh 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 the you know they've got some talented wide receivers over there so anyway uh and, and not having what obviously is a big deal and listen, Joey Porter Jr. is going to have to play his best game because, you know, he he's at his best. He's had a really good season. I think he's gotten better. I think he's a better tackler, better zone defender than he's currently given credit for. He's not just a, a press man kind of a guy, but the guys who have given him the most amount of fits have generally been some of those real crisp route runners. Amari right. Cooper, for example, and Diggs is, is right up there. So 
it's not going to be when you're facing a DeAndre Hopkins, it's a bit easier overall, I think, to, uh, you know, e- even though he's not a Chris Brett runner, but you saw DK Metcalf get some separation, turn Porter around a bit. Whenever it's kind of a, a, a street fight and these guys are battling, Porter wins most of the time. But whenever it's a bit more open, open air out in space against some of these guys that can can you know shake you and create separation, that's when Porter's had his worst moments. And Diggs is definitely a guy that can shake you and create some space. I thought they did a, a phenomenal job of tackling overall in this game. Uh, uh, Sands the, uh, the, the 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 touchdown to Likely, which I think Levi Wallace should get, should get credited for a missed tackle. I don't see them uh, crediting uh, Patrick. Yeah. Oh, well, the, the other thing was that explosive run that they had in the game. Uh, Patrick, mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson's got to do a better job of breaking down and make sure he makes that. If he, uh, the, uh, that was already going to be a 10, 12, 13 yard run anyway, but it, it uh, you know, Patrick Peterson kind of got, he didn't do a good job breaking down, uh, uh, to try to make that tackle in that situation. I thought he came to balance too early was my personal takeaway. Okay. About five yards, he started breaking down and kind of left Edwards with the ability to kind of go whichever way he wanted to. So I actually he got turned around. He, in he fact, did. his back got turned around to the whole play on that one. Yeah, because he was kind of like stopped whenever Edwards was within five yards of him. And that gave Edwards kind of the two-way go. I can go either way. And and Peterson kind of was, was his feet were, were generally stopping. So things to work on. Is he going to play safety this week? Is it going to be some more corner? Tomlin said that all options on the table right now for safety corner. It's a good problem to have because they've not had those options in quite some time. All I tell you is Eric Rose got to be on that field for a chunk of plays. That's all, and obviously Minka's got to be out there as well too. I think Eric Rose done enough in this short amount of time uh, that you know that he's got to be on the field. So there, you could end up seeing a lot of multi safety uh, uh, looks in this game. Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to take advantage of their newfound depth and availability with guys like Fitzpatrick and Casey. And, and look, I mean, for for the injuries that this unit has had uh, this season at the safety and at the uh, and, and suspensions along with it uh, uh, at the safety and, and inside linebacker position, I mean, they have duct taped this thing together as best as they possibly could, and and actually the last couple of weeks have have. You know, you've seen the communication kind of be okay. I, I'm not look. I don't want to go out of my way because there, there's been some negative w- involved here. But I think for for what the hand that they've been dealt with, at least these last couple of two or three games, they've done a very good job of duct tape taping this thing together. They have. Um, you know, some people say that you know they want to fire Terrell Austin. I'm like, why? What has the defense done so you know, poorly that would require the firing of the defensive coordinator. But I think a lot of credit, and I think Cam Hayward made this point on his podcast today, credit goes to Aaron Curry, the inside linebackers coach in his first year, then Grady Brown. Like so you talk about talk about the the changes at inside backer, which is true, but the changes at safety in the secondary. And I think Grady Brown's done a great job of trying to keep that group together and and, and you said kind of MacGyver and duct tape this thing and make it work. So do not be surprised if a guy like Grady Brown gets some DC looks once these head coaching slots are filled around the NFL. Uh, and look, you got the ultimate test of having with with TJ Watt. I mean, there's <laughs> not enough duct tape or what's that stuff, Flex Seal or whatnot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, 
you, you better have a gobs of that to try to, uh, tr try to overcome, uh, that huge hole there. But you know, I, I think you, you want to talk about takeaways overall when it comes to the defense once again, and, and, and the injuries and suspension and, 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 and the, the, you know, the cards they've been dealt here. Uh, I think the last couple of weeks, they've done a good job of, of, of overcoming that, you know, props to, and Mike Thomas got out of his way to praise miles Jack and Eric Rowe. And I think that's very, very deserving. I mean, uh, a Landon Roberts for playing with one arm. Uh, 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 Mike, Michael Walker has not played great, but at least he's not sticking out so negatively, at least these last couple of games on tape. Uh, we mentioned at least Miles Killebrew. You hate to have to see that guy have to play so many defensive snaps, but it was actually not bad on, on, on tape against the Ravens. And... Who else? I think Sullivan uh, has done a good job. Yeah, Shandon Sullivan's got it's been more positive the the the, the last couple of weeks there, and yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes against Buffalo. All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, what is? Let's see. Do we have anything in email? Yeah, I got today? some here. I just I sorted it wrong here. Nope, that's okay. Uh, yeah. Bryce says, bring on the bills. Hey, guys, uh, right now it's all bills all the time. Steelers better be ready for a lot of 4-4 fronts and double-A mugs this week. Uh, this, to me, is the perfect week, even with the weather for Faulkner and Sullivan to finally break out more first-down play-action calls to keep Buffalo honest. Yeah. Uh, Look, you're not going to run play action 32 times a game in this one. I mean, could could they stand to to do more under center stuff one or two times? Sure, I, 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 absolutely. Uh, you go back to I can't help to think about the last couple times that they've faced the Bills with some of these pressures that they've sent that the Steelers had problems handling. Alex. Yeah, I'd have to go back and think about some of the past games, but I think you're right about that. And I know Buffalo's always had a really good game plan to minimize and mitigate Pittsburgh's rush. And that's, of course, with TJ Watt. But I think about some of the chippers they would have, the wings they would have out there on third down to really slow those guys down. So um, they've always seemed to me at least have to have a good game plan against the rush. And, you know, Josh Allen's one of the least sacked quarterbacks in football. We kind of don't think about that because we think about, okay, he has a bunch of big plays, probably gets sacked a bunch too, kind of like Lamar, but he's only been sacked 24 times this season, five of which came in the week one opener against the Jets. Since then, he's really, you know, now pressures are different. Obviously, I don't have the numbers on that, but they've actually done a good job of, of avoiding those negative plays in terms of sacks in the past game. All right, uh, Joe from Phoenix writes in, TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Hey, guys, great work again so far this season. Your tireless work is appreciated. Do you have stats on how many holding calls uh, TJ Watt has had on him? More specifically, how many prior to the press conference where he mentioned uh, the NFL having something against him and how many after? If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, I believe it'll be because of those remarks he made. Uh, do you think him speaking out has any bearing of how the voting will play out? Uh, maybe him squawking too early and he will win the award. Uh, it sure seems as though he's been better than the others. Most notably miles Garrett, uh, blah, 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 sacks, force fumbles, fumble recoveries, TD intercept, blah, blah, has dropped into coverage. Like he's, he is a superhuman. He has simply played better than the others in the running. Look, uh, uh, we talked about this the other day, specifically, you know, my, uh, I P PFF is catching a lot of hell and, you know, because of how they 
the 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 amount of leverage that they give to the pressures and all like that and and the wind rates and I, I think specifically the wind rates mm-hmm. and, and 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 all like that uh, the advanced metrics of it uh, you can understand where they're coming from look I've said this a lot over the years uh, we subscribe to, to PFF. Uh, uh, I like a lot of what PFF does. I think they get a lot of what they do, right? Uh, it's good to, to look, you should never judge things just by a stats, you know, period. Uh, it is good to look at them as a basis, as maybe a starting point to maybe go see where they're coming from on some certain things. Uh, are they foolproof? Actually, absolutely not. Uh, uh, when it comes to all their stuff, look, we have, we have, they have changed stuff because of things we pointed out before in coverages and stuff like that. They get things wrong. It's impossible to know, uh, 100% intent, uh, on, on every given play. You just, you're not going to do it. That's what makes grading, you know, things with movement, you know, it's, it's a lot different than baseball, uh, 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 you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff there, when, especially advanced analytics, uh, specifically when it comes to what in the holding calls, there was the uptick. What did, what did we say? He had drawn like two or three, uh, holding calls. I forget. What sounds right. Uh, and then he, didn't he get a couple, like the game or two after he talked about not getting the holding calls. I, but I think you could say, say the same thing with Parsons and, and, and Garrett and all like that. It takes a lot for these premier edge guys to draw a holding call <laughs> period. Yeah. I mean, Parsons, I think in particular is really almost never draws a holding call, which is pretty crazy. So I don't know what it is. I don't have, I don't have the exact numbers. Um, I'm not even sure who, who tracks that or if that gets tracked, but I mean, it, it does. I mean, we, we've got the info. I think I have to log back into sports info solutions here. Uh, I don't know where I've had the window pulled up here, but, uh, look, they, they, if you look at all the premier edge guys are probably down as far as drawn holding calls go, but in the same breath, you know, uh, what did, was it two in one game a couple of games ago? Yeah, against the Bengals game, right? Because he got the sack on the one he got held. And then I think there was a holding call maybe later. There was a false start. I know on Jonah Williams. So I think it was the Bengals game. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick while you uh, kind of filibuster here, maybe. Yeah, so a little bit later today, the players will talk. Injury report comes out. And then Friday... Um, It'll be a normal week, so Friday will be the final day for the injury report. We'll have, uh, hopefully, a Bills beat writer on for that show. And I'm running out of things to talk about to stall to try to find those data, uh, that data on TJ Watt. I know, again, you said Highsmith probably held a couple times in that game. Again, I think that dip and rip move, there's some, I think, almost carve out either officially or unofficially in the rule book that allows that to, to look like a hold, but it's not actually a hold. And the way that the refs interpret those things that happened with James Harrison, everybody knows, so... Sometimes these things can be a little deceiving, but there's certainly some times where Watt and Highsmith and others have been held and the refs have missed it. All right. I have uh, Sports Info Solutions has TJ Watt down for three drawn hold- holding penalties. I think, uh, I wonder if it, 
I don't, I want to say that he got one or two a couple of games ago. So maybe we were talking about him only having one up and no, I think the number that we had had was like, there was three over the course of the last two seasons or something going into that game where he got two, just a couple of, maybe, maybe that's how, how we had kind of, kind of phrased that thing. So let's look at uh, miles Garrett real quick and see what he has on, according to sports info solutions on holding pill. And he's drawn, uh, he has four on the season. Miles Garrett does. Uh, who else you want me to check? Uh, uh, Parsons. Yeah, I think Parsons might be maybe one. It's a really low number, at least from what I've seen on Twitter. I've not really sat down and researched it, just kind of read some tweets and comments. Uh, he has two on the season. Two. Okay. Uh, how about Max Crosby, another reputable edge rusher? Seems like he probably has a few more. Uh, yeah, I could buy that. Uh, he has two on the season, Alex. So there, there you go. I mean, th- these guys aren't drawing across the board without pulling, you know, the Boses and, and, and spending the time to do all that. It does seem like it takes a lot for these guys to draw uh, the holding penalties out on the edge there. Uh, as far as his comments impacting the voting, if, uh, my, my faith in humanity, which there's probably not at 55 is probably not as much coming out of me <laughs> uh, as most. I would like to think that they wouldn't hold that against him when it, when it, when it comes to the voting uh, plain and simple. I think it comes down to Garrett and Watt. Uh, if Watt gets it, you're going to have a, a huge, uh, the, 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 the Cleveland Browns fan base is going to go absolutely bonkers. Uh, and PFF might go bonkers as well, being said how in so many words they have put it out there that uh, Watt won't win it and Garrett will. Uh, on the flip side, if Garrett wins it, you're gonna you're gonna see an onslaught of uh, uh, all the Watt brothers and Steeler Nation uh, saying that he got robbed. Yep, that's how it's gonna be for this year and probably all future seasons. I don't think the comments are gonna be used against them. I don't think the people that vote remember these comments at this point. They cover their own teams and national beats and those types of things. And those comments were made weeks ago and really didn't generate a, a ton of national press. Locally, sure, but not really nationally. It wasn't this huge talking point the way that other Steelers related things like Pickens and, and Deontay were. So those comments have probably been long forgotten by the AP voters. Uh, Lane writes in on Kenny Pickett. Hey, David, David, Alex, happy playoffs. I love everything y'all have done on the show and have been a listener for years. Obviously at this point, Mason is a starter. It seems that he will be throughout the postseason, with the exception of an injury. However, would it be worth considering starting Pickett as Mason has already had his chance in 2019 when Ben went down and proved to be a backup? Wait a minute here. Let me reread this. Obviously, at this point, Mason's a starter. However, would it be worth considering starting Pickett as Mason has already had his chance in 2019 when Ben went down? Although Mason has done a great job so far, he's not done anything special. Uh, he writes and is relying heavily on the run game. Uh, Lane, I, I disagree. I think uh, Mason's done a great job of going through progressions and some of these you know, uh, specifically some of these slants that have uh, hit for big, uh, you got to give him credit for. Uh, I just think overall Mason has been, look, I don't care how far you're throwing the football down the field or not throwing the football down the field to go 18 of 20, you know, yeah. uh, 
uh, says something. He uh, really is his first and and I guess really only interceptable ball uh, was that one early early in the Ravens game uh, there and. You know, you can say woulda, coulda, shoulda, and all, all like that. You know, that might be a pick six if, if, if that boy gets to that ball, but he didn't. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, this offense is is moving with confidence with him at quarterback, and he has connected on a couple of deep balls down the field, and he has the more of the threat. Be, and Mike Tomlin talked about this, you know, the, uh, the, arm, the, the deep ball arm talent. Uh, if it's, if it's a game that's not impacted by weather, you have to respect the ability of Mason Rudolph to push the football down the field. I think now could all this come unraveled in one game against the bills? Absolutely. But I don't think you can make, I don't think there's any argument right now as, as Lane tries to, uh, maybe suggest that maybe worth considering Pickett over Mason for this game specifically against the Bills. I don't see how you can make an argument to go back to Pickett right now. And you want to talk about losing the locker room. If you go back to Kenny Pickett with the way that Rudolph is playing and, and the way that they're producing, um, listen, 2019 was an eternity ago. That was his essentially his first year, technically his second or first year playing. And, and so who cares? You know, that those are you know early career struggles that happen to a lot of guys. All that matters is to here and now. And Rudolph's been the best quarterback of the three this season. The way that I kind of think about it in my head, Dave, in terms of the quarterback play this season is Mitch Trubisky was losing you games. Kenny Pickett was not losing you games, but he was not winning you games. And Mason Rudolph is actually winning you games. Now, he has been certainly aided by a really healthy and strong run game, and that's important for any quarterback. But Rudolph is doing more than just, quote-unquote, game managing. He's really making some plays for the reasons you mentioned. So Rudolph is winning games. Pickett was not losing you games. Trubisky was losing you games. That's kind of the summary of how I would describe the quarterback play of the three guys that have started the season. Good point. Uh, this is a long one from Randy. I'm not going to get through all this, Randy. I apologize. I'll pick out bits and pieces here. Uh, I see the Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett situation as a scaled down version of Bledsoe and Brady uh, decision given the benefit uh, of hindsight of their careers. As a result, I believe only a Super Bowl from Mason would solidify him being the unquestioned starter. Uh, look, that would be a great problem to get into. Oh, boy, Mason's coming off of a Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and let me tell you, the only way if, if you did that, the only way you would keep Mason in Pittsburgh uh, through the offseason would be with a franchise tag. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Let's hope we get to that point and have to have those discussions. But certainly Rudolph's you know, market value has shot up. And if you can pull off the upset in Buffalo on Sunday, then you know he's not going to be cheap to sign for anybody this offseason. Uh, let's see if I can get to one more here, uh, from Garrett writes in and from Virginia, not will, but should Mike Tomlin get coach of the year consideration from the voters with the way the defense has been decimated due to injury throughout the year, blah, blah, blah. Hayward Fitzpatrick inside linebacker safeties. Now what with large turnover and personnel from a season ago, having three quarterbacks at the helm, 
and how this team was basically left for dead three, three weeks ago. I should think the way he kept the locker room together and got the best out of the group, including those who came out of retirement down the stretch, should be noteworthy. By the way, if I read the standings correctly, the Steelers had the best strength of victory. Didn't I point that out the other day? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of any team in the playoffs except the Ravens, he says there. But uh, uh, look, um, Garrett, I could have been persuaded to for Mike Tomlin to get some coach of the year consideration uh, had this team not lost to two, two uh, what were they at the time? Two, two and 12 teams, right? Uh, the Cardinals and, um, and the two and 10 teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots. And then um, I, I think once, once that happened, I mean, look, they, they responded from it. And Mike Tomlin even said during his press conference on Tuesday that they basically have been in the playoffs the last three weeks, which they have. Uh, I just think when you, even even as decimated as this team was to lose those two games the way they lost those two games to those two teams at that point the coach of the year considerations in my opinion went out the window i don't think he would even win it within his uh within his own uh division kevin stefanski in cleveland is probably going to get the award and understandably so for the four quarterbacks they went on and they had a bunch of injuries and the persevere persevere and have a just a, a a better season, better standing, better finish, better record than, than Pittsburgh. I think it'll go to Stefanski and deservedly so. All right. Uh, there's a lot of emails in here, but we're not going to have time to get to them at all. If you if you think something uh, can be uh, addressed uh, on the Friday show, uh, recirculate it back through the email machine. We just don't have the time uh, to, to get to all of them today. Anything else you'd like to add? Any late breaking news here or anything, Alex, before we get out of here? Nope, nothing yet. So we'll come back on Friday and get get you ready for the playoff game. Yeah, we uh, already have uh, Bill's beat writer scheduled. Don't want to jinx it or anything, but uh, that that look looking pretty good for Friday. Uh, we'll start getting hard and heavy into the uh, Bill's All Twenty Two tape and give you as thorough of a breakdown uh, as we can of that game during the Friday podcast. There. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the terrible podcast at gmail.com if you like what we do and want to donate to the cause steedersdepot.com hit the donate button also if you like an ad free version of the site steedersdepot.com hit that ad free button uh, wherever you find it in the navigational bar so until Friday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex